0: What was the uh, final valuation on that? Fifty-eight million or something?
1: Fifty-eight or sixty million, something like that. Yeah, just crazy. That's crazy. A lot of money. What's really crazy is that Tuesday was the day I usually pull out. <laughs> 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 wow.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective podcast. This is episode four hundred seventy-eight, being recorded on December sixth, two thousand seventeen. I'm Ryan Schrout.
3: I'm Jeremy Hellstrom.
4: I'm Josh Walrath, and I muted my mic for some reason. Probably because I was clearing my throat, and I've got a little post-nasal drip and some sinus issues, and I'm, I'm getting over a cold. And so things have been, uh, you know, a little yucky. Uh, not a whole lot of fun. Oh, and Doesn't I'm
3: Josh. Looks like you're getting again. over
1: it. I'm Alan Valentano,
5: and uh, <laughs> I ate Ken Addison. sauce it was delicious i'm jim tanis filling in for our reporters on assignment ken 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 is
2: actually standing or sitting i should (laughs) say between he's behind the camera here uh we're both in maui you can't tell it from this backdrop behind me but we're in a beautiful
1: place and we're not i'm not in like a cell room don't worry, you're um, on you're on solid gray, so we can just key that out and put like palm trees and the stuff behind you. Yeah, yeah. Please do that.
2: Yeah, in post. Make sure that it's tropical behind yes. me. Behind Ken, I see out. I see palm trees. I see blue skies. There's a sunset off to the right that I can I can get the reflection just off the of paint in the walls. Couldn't that spin room. that
1: camera around, huh? You just you just had to like. You know,
2: you know. in retrospect, we could have shot it this direction this time because in the morning when we were recording stuff, uh, the sun was coming in and it was yeah. impossible to do so. But uh, we're here at the uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon Tech Summit. So we'll talk about some of that stuff here in just a second. Uh, normal stuff to run through here. Uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Hawaii time. Uh, at pcper.com slash live. If you need a little reminder for that, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe, sign up for our mailing list, ask your name, your email address, we send you a notification some point before the show happens. I, I make no more claims about when that or when that will or won't be. Um, we still have our Patreon going as well. pc no, Patreon.com slash pcper. That's where you can go to... Um, Become a recurring monthly contributor to the website, right? If you feel like uh, you run an ad blocker or you just think the podcasts we do, the videos we do, the articles we do are worth it to you, you can contribute a dollar, three dollars, five, ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred, whatever you want per month directly goes to us and the content creation, none of that other stuff gets in the way. Uh, We greatly appreciate all of our patrons. If uh, I, I have my phone here, if anybody becomes
4: a new patron or increases, during the show, I will, uh, will take uh, a note of it here and uh, call you out. Yeah, uh, S- Sarah McLaughlin, you know, on the arms of an angel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and just slowly zoom in on it.
2: <laughs> you do. Sure look it's kind of like be, a mountain. You, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Uh, let's see what else. Oh, I uh, encourage everybody. Part of the stuff that the Patreon has enabled us to do is we have our PC per mailbag. We're on our 20th episode. Um, is this an is this the Allen episode or the Josh
1: episode? This looks like the Allen one. The Allen right. episode. I'm Alan? wearing. I'm wearing the Death Wish raid t-shirt.
2: Was that by request?
1: No. Oh, okay. Uh,
2: <laughs> it's that simple as it would as as it would uh, uh, sound. You guys send us questions in the comments on the YouTube video or on the website, and we answer them and and get back to you that way. I think it's pretty cool. And then we did a PC per plays, which was like probably the nerdiest one yet. Um, this is. Star Trek Judgment Rights? Not yep. only have I never heard of it, nor never played it, I've never heard of it. Um what 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 type of game was this that you guys ran through?
5: This is an early 90s uh point and click adventure game. Uh there were a co- there were two games in this in this style, uh 25th Anniversary and Judgment Rights and uh it's a episodic uh Star Trek themed adventure but it also has things like space combat, uh really unique puzzles. It's a game that you have to you just have to be cool enough to appreciate and, and some people, they, they just can't handle it.
2: <laughs> I will not argue with that. Some people cannot handle it, the excitement of that. Um, so uh, obviously, <laughs> pcport.com slash podcast, go there and find URLs, links, uh, show notes, all the subscription stuff you would need is all located there. Um, let's, I guess, yeah,
4: let's go ahead and jump into Can, our- can I say one thing before you go? Yeah, yeah, sure. I kind of missing the edgy T shirt. Um,
2: this is my uh, business casual Hawaii attire, right? I know so somebody asked if I borrowed one of Ken's shirts uh, earlier, and it is. I did not. This is this is this is mine. Thank you, I appreciate that. Although. Now that you say it, I will point out that we've had one person comment earlier today Two two people. Ken points out and said, Hey, is that the, is that the team
5: uniform <laughs> we we're walking around
2: today? So Ken only really wears plans. If it only. puts your mind at yeah.
5: ease, Josh, he's not wearing any pants. Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think, okay. I think that always puts Josh at ease. Think about that.
4: Think about that. Right.
2: All right. So let's talk about some of the Qualcomm stuff that happened. Right. So, um, this is a three-day event. We're at the end of day two here, so I can – we can talk about what happened to day one and day two, but I, I don't know what's happening on day three. Uh, the The first announcement that they made was kind of the official unveiling of their uh, Windows on Snapdragon devices. So these are notebooks, convertibles, laptops, two-in-ones, whatever the hell people call them now. Um, that instead of Intel processors or AMD CPUs, they have Qualcomm Snapdragon 835 at the core of them, right? And this is something we, we've talked about this a bunch. We've previewed this a bunch. We've talked about the implications of this. Uh, but now we know Asus has a, a, a model. It's called the Nova Go, which is odd. Uh, HP, what's the, what's the HP one called? Is it just the NVX2? NVX2. So they went with a standard kind of traditional naming scheme. I'm a big fan of that. Um the pen is thicker in one picture than in the other. For the Asus one, or for the no, HP for the, device, yeah, no,
3: it's a little more
1: excited in the second shot. In picture,
5: the second picture, it's the picture. case and, the,
1: oh. and the, the keyboard and the screen. I gotcha. Okay, yeah, and I, it looks to me
2: in the first photo like that pen is photoshopped in. Yeah, I, I think it say. is. Yeah, I think that's think that's fake. Um, the, so the HP device is a is a detachable this right it's a surface style device it's very thin uh it's fanless um it's got a a fold-down keyboard kickstand model that type of stuff does have active stylus pen optional i don't know if they ship with them i I actually don't know the answer to that 12.3 inch screen uh 16 by 9 what is it did we decide 1080p on that ken yeah so snapdragon 835 uh four gigs or eight gigs and then up to 256 gigs Of storage. Uh, And the Asus is pretty much identical hardware. It's a convertible, so it's got like the yoga style hinges. It folds back uh, into its tablet mode. Also available in four or eight gigs with up to 256 gigs of storage. There is some connectivity differences. The HP model only has USB Type-C and a single headphone port, while the Asus machine has no Type-C, has two USB Type-A headphone and then it charges through uh, like a proprietary, you know, semi-proprietary uh barrel connector, right? Which is actually really disappointing because that should be USB-C at this point. Even if you put type you know, USB type A ports on these systems, which I think is actually a really good idea, you should have the type C for charging at this point, right? All pretty much all of these thin and lights use type C for charging. Uh and to break that cycle for this. sucks right and doesn't really make any sense there's there's no as far as i know there's no cost advantage to this or it can't be significant um the other thing obviously is all these systems have integrated in the soc the snapdragon x16 modem lte capability uh qualcomm has said that their partners are not going to be selling any wi-fi only models of this so all of the laptops notebooks you buy will be LTE-capable, right? So whether or not you put a SIM in it is a different discussion about where you'll buy it and how you'll purchase the devices, Uh, but they will all have LTE modems in them. They will also all be pre-installed with Windows 10 S, which, not unexpected, you know, not great, but not an unexpected move. Uh, I would... They are. Uh, you can upgrade these to Windows 10, and that's free through September or December, I think. So it goes through through most of 2018, actually. Uh, so if you want to upgrade that, which I see no reason why a reasonable person would not automatically do that, then you still have the capability to download your applications and run software um, outside of the Windows store. Uh, and I, there are some questions in the comments, actually, and I, and I pointed this out, that this is the emulation error, and apparently I misspelled the word emulation I just saw, um, that we've mentioned in previous posts. It will run, it cannot run x64, it cannot run 64-bit apps, but it will run x86 apps with a handful of exceptions. Well, I say a handful, but an unknown number of exceptions, right? Any Anything that uses uh, kernel mode drivers, right, uh, as opposed to just, you know, being something where the OS it lets the OS handle all of those uh, different traits and specifications uh, will probably not run. So things like, you know, it's kind of a problem for us to review PC Mark. PC Mark Eight won't run on these devices because it installs kernel mode drivers uh, that it uses for kind of the simulation side of things. So. It's it's interesting on that in that regard. 600 to 800 bucks, depending on your configuration. Uh, we're we're waiting for final devices to do reviews on and do testing on. Initial indications are that like you know this these aren't going to be as performance as the Intel machines. Right, the Intel Core i5s whatever are going to be faster. This is more in line with the Core M3 style performance. Um, They're fanless designs, like many of the Core M devices are. Uh, but what their claims are and what like Asus, Asus was on stage. HP was on stage. Asus claimed 22 hours of battery life on this. And, uh, I think, I don't know if HP gave a specific number, but it's something like that. Microsoft came on stage and talked about the idea of not charging your laptop for a week, which I have a bit of a problem with. It really comes down to what your usage style is. If you use your laptop for a couple hours a day, you know, two, three hours a day, you can get through a work week without having to charge your machine. The benefit that, that they're touting with that claim is the idea of connected standby where uh, when you, when you, the computer doesn't really ever go to sleep or hibernate, the screen shuts off when you close it uh, and it still maintains data connectivity. But just like your phone, it's in a super low power state and it's able to, you know, your email is always up to date. You know, your notifications are up to date. All that type of stuff would will still be happening in the background, but it doesn't a much lower power state than anything from Intel can really do so um, it it's a really it, i it. It's only two devices, but it feels like a kind of a watershed point in time, right, where Intel now has, you know, they have competition from Ryzen Mobile on the high end, a lot of high uh, competition on the graphic side. Now they're getting competition in this highly portable, highly mobile segment, people who want LTE connectivity, people who are looking for a full day, an actual realistic full day of battery life. Uh, and Qualcomm is is going to have these machines out. I, You know Timing-wise, I was hoping we get them by the end of the year. It looks more like January timeframe for shipping, um, but uh, it should be should be sooner rather than later. i was hoping we get them before CES, but we may not actually be able to do that. So, I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are on this. Like, is it, I, I was on I was on Windows Weekly with uh, Paul Tharot today, and we went, had this discussion about. So say you get the highest configuration, you get the 8 gig, 256 gigs of storage, you're talking about a $799 laptop, there are a ton of Intel based PCs you can get for $799. Not as thin, not as light, not as portable, but most importantly, not as much battery life. So how much performance would you be willing to trade in order to get the LTE connectivity and the battery life of these devices? I posit the question to you, please. All four of you, don't answer at the same time.
5: I'd trade a lot of performance. Um, give me, for me, it's about, it's about the battery life. I think I like what they're aiming for here. Give me something that can that I can write in, browse the web, and check email, and do like light Photoshop editing. Something, so nothing, you know, not heavy video or anything. Just, just, just enough that I can get through the day of, of publishing articles or writing a book or whatever. If I can take that and work on it for several hours a day and get a week out of it, that's, that's the killer. Um, I have a powerful PC at home. I don't think many people would want this to be their only device, but as a, a road warrior mobile workstation for, for light tasks, that's a game changer. Getting that true all day or 24-hour you know, battery life.
3: Yep. Anybody else? Oh, it's, it's a wee little SharePoint machine. Uh, From an enterprise standpoint, it makes sense for someone who is constantly roaming around and is at the point where they don't even like an ultra-portable because that five pounds is just too much for them. But there are people out there like that. So this thing, boom, you can hit Excel online, Word online, PowerPoint online. You can hold the damn thing anywhere you go. You turn it on, and you're not going to have to wait for your emails to populate because they're going to be there just like uh, the experience with your cell phone. So mm-hmm. I can see a, a definite usage case for, you know, some enterprise people. I think a lot of people are going to fire up YouTube and get a little bit disappointed that it's not going to give them the performance that they were kind of hoping for, uh, for you know, video entertainment. But if you're working, it makes a lot of sense because you don't need any power locally if you're used to using all of the online tools uh, that Office does now. So I could see this making an impact. I can also see people saying the price is a little bit too high. Uh, 800 bucks for giant ass cell phone is it's, it feels wrong, but the iPhone X is 1200.
2: You right. Keep in mind that some of the flagship Snapdragon 835 phones are going to cost you $1,200.
3: Yeah. Also true. Yeah.
2: You know, there's some comments in here about in the, in the chat about, uh, uh, We're not convinced that that the ARM-based stuff will offer a good experience with X86 applications because you have to go through an emulation error, and that's true. So anything that doesn't run from the Windows Store that is kind of encoded and compiled for the ARM architecture does have to go through that emulation error, and there is a performance penalty. Um, I I don't really have a way to quantify what that performance penalty is yet, Um, and, and the benefit for Qualcomm and maybe the problem for reviewers is that traditional benchmarks don't really run, right? So we talked about PC Mark's not going to run, SysMark's not going to run. Um, you can run something, you can maybe run something like uh, uh, Audacity Encode or you can run H.264 encoding applications, but it all depends on what drivers they install, right? For example, I was able to play um, video through uh, the HT Home Run in the office on one of these devices, but... We had to download the MPEG2 decoder from the Windows Store in order <laughs> for it to work. I, I will say, you know, I, the Office I have I have run on this, these devices uh, is x86 emulated, you know, downloaded from uh, from Microsoft.com, not through the mm-hmm. store, and it runs fine, right? Mm-hmm. I have not installed Photoshop on it yet. That's kind of like my next big step is what happens when I put the I don't want to say that a bulky application like Photoshop on a machine like this, can I do that basic photo editing? Like I don't need to do, I'm not doing thousands of images when I'm on work trips, right? I'm doing 10 images for a news post or a review. Do I have the ability to do that and can it hold on to it? I I think there's still a question mark. I think it will do better than most people think. Uh, And the only other thing I, I would say is that the the systems i would not recommend anybody buy a system with four gigs of memory if eight gigs is available right because uh once you browsers, even if you just have tabs of browsers open you're using 90 plus percent of your system memory when you do that and when you have to start swapping now you're looking at a a non-pcie nvme storage solution you know this is snapdragon 835 it's using UFS. Uh, which is reasonably fast but definitely slower than what you get on you know, even SATA SSDs in terms of a latency standpoint. And as a result, uh, you have to – if you have to swap between memory and storage, it's going to be a pain in the ass, right? So 8 gigs I think is where you should go with this. And I think that will benefit the fact that it is a slower processor and kind of a slower infrastructure along the way. So,
3: Have you they know, done something interesting in the back to let you use the 8 gigs around? Because you mentioned it's 32 bit only, right? It's not running a 64 bit well, OS.
2: So the operating system will run in 64, but okay. the, but the, the not apps not don't. Be in the native ARM system, right? But when Perfect. you do the emulation, the emulation stuff only works with uh, it's 32 bit. So you know each well, individual so application might only be able to access system. four gigs, maybe. But yeah. But stuff like Edge, you know, is built in. If you use Edge browser, that's fine. You know, the, the, biggest, the biggest question I think we'll have is like Chrome. Chrome is an app that will never be in the Windows Store, probably, <laughs> right? And it will never be compiled for UWP. So, but it's also the world's most popular web browser for systems like this. So now what do you do, right? And I imagine that's a place where Qualcomm and Microsoft have spent a lot of time tuning, tweaking software to make the emulation as, as clean and as fast as possible. So.
3: It'll be interesting. It's all um,
4: interesting, yeah. Ryan.
3: Go ahead, Josh. What was that? I said it's all interesting.
2: It
4: is.
3: Yeah, it, it is really interesting. I'm, I'm gonna, it's, gonna be it's, kind of it's curious like, it's
4: to see. Oh, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say it's it's interesting to see a bunch of changes happening in this space that
4: haven't in a while. Yeah, I mean, we had the Windows RT disaster, and and <laughs> before that, way way before that, uh, you know, we had the Transmeta guys who had. An architecture that had an active translation layer that was, you know, software, and it, you know, apparently worked well. Who ended up with Transmeta? Was that Intel? I don't, I don't know. I think so. I can't remember. I think so, yes. We yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how emulation, because you know, we have CPU cycles to spare in many instances. I mean, oh sure, you got you know a, a quad core, two point four gigahertz um arm processor i mean that's 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 pretty good throughput and especially for any kind of office type stuff web browsing like jim was saying i mean it's it's more than adequate to give you a speedy feeling if the software is well optimized for it so it's it's again the proof is going to be in the pudding we'll see
5: how it goes
2: Yep, we will see very shortly. And then today what they announced was the Snapdragon 845. So this is the next generation SoC that will be coming in uh, smartphones, they say, in the first half of 2018, um, you know, your Galaxy S9s. Basically, any flagship Android phone that isn't built by Huawei is using the high-end uh, Snapdragon devices, right? So they were all based on 835. We assume the next gens will all be based on 845 um, and they, they went into a little bit of detail of uh, some of the architectural stuff, you know, some new CPUs, some new GPUs, some new ISP, some new DSP. It's everything has kind of been rearchitected. Um, you know, they talked about imaging. And AI kind of being the focus for that, you know, a little disappointing in the presentations. They didn't show a whole lot of performance data. Um, the GPU is claimed to be 30% faster. The CPU is claimed to be 30% faster. Uh, the Adreno 630 is apparently a completely new architectural design, right? It's still like a tile-based renderer and, and all that. But it's it's apparently not just a slightly tweaked version of what the 540 was. Um, so I'm very curious to talk more with these guys about what that actually means and how much they're willing to i divulge in terms of that architecture and what that you know like what how does that did they change stuff in order to interact with other elements of the system so they could have uh improved heterogeneous compute right um on the cpu side it's now an octa-core setup or it is an octa-core setup again for big uh for high performance for high efficiency cores um the, the big change there is higher slightly higher clock speeds but each core now has a Dedicated L two cache and there is a shared L three cache across all eight cores.
4: Which sounds you know, this, a little similar, similar a little... to what the ARM dynamic was, right, Josh? Yeah, I, I was actually just about to ask that. I mean, did did Qualcomm license the dynamic architecture from I mean it's it's an improved so upon A seventy five and A fifty five that yeah. they did custom work to? Yep. Yep. So that's that's that there there's
2: it's still a semi custom license. It's not off the shelf parts um, that they they claim that they were able to. And the, but they did confirm that it was A75 and A55 based, uh, and they did some tweaks to. Well, like one of the things they did is they added a three megabyte system cache to it, which is actually uh, on die but off off to the side of all these other modules, right? So now this is a place where the graphics, the CPU, the image processing, the DSP can share data, right? So really we're getting, I feel like it's taken a decade, but we're getting closer into that heterogeneous mindset, um, that, that really AMD kind of pioneered the idea of with
4: the HSA and that foundation. Um,
2: and you know, that that's that kind really, of where the
4: that, that essentially came is. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry for the latency and me, you know, interrupting you, but no, that essentially it. is dynamic. I mean, it's, it, they, they have that L3 cache in there kind of off to the side. So, when you do uh uh snoops and whatnot, it's a mm. different hierarchy than what you would expect with like an X eighty six uh CPU or previous ARM products. Uh it, it depends on where it's snooping at is which pathway it goes to because the L three is not where you would typically expect it to be, I guess, in, in you know, in, in a ten thousand foot view in, in terms of topology. And so yeah, it it sounds like It would be silly for any of these guys who are making their own architectures to ignore dynamic because it adds a lot to uh, the SOC in terms of internal communications, latency, flexibility, uh, the ability to, you know, utilize PCIe 4.0 controllers and then... uh, uh, through that can can do cache coherency through pci express so yeah they're uh they're the first out of the uh out of the gates with an a75 (laughs) a55 with dynamic because this was uh you know this is kind of a late 2018 product that arm was thinking about but qualcomm is they're right there
2: yep I, i i think it's i i i just kept i keep waiting for them to tell me more about the architecture and the design side and they you know and what at, what Qualcomm wants to tell you is the story about what it's all going to turn into right now you can do HDR video capture now you can do 4K at higher higher frame rates um now you can do uh these real-time kind of AI filters and and stuff to to images <clears throat> um, and and that's I, I get it. I understand why they want to do that. But from from a from a hardware guy standpoint, I want to be able to understand the architecture. And I think there's benefit to them still to do to talk about that stuff as they continue to uh, as they need to prove to the outside world that they are an innovation powerhouse, right? That, that they're not just kind of slapping things together from arm and, and making something out of it, um that that they're doing real important work that needs to continue. So, um yeah. I don't know. That this is what we'll see in 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 uh in middle of 2018 it seems like and hopefully, you know, th- this will eventually come to the the windows on Snapdragon notebooks we talked about as well. You know some variant of eight forty five will will show up and be higher performance and um, you know I, I posted on Twitter a couple of pictures I saw a demo today where you know they had the Manhattan mobile benchmark running and um, the eight forty five was running at the same they they kept them at the same frame rate and the eight forty five was able to run at two point nine watts while the eight thirty five ran at three point eight watts so a pretty big efficiency jump considering there was no process tech change and this is all an architectural difference right um so there there's a lot of potential for 845 to make some of the um more mainstream important differences like the just power consumption battery life heat usability while you know don't get don't does the, how hot does it get how long can you be in a in a vr headset or xr headset or whatever it is based on that device um i think i think a lot of that gets changed for the middle of the year so Any other thoughts
3: on 845? Mm -hmm. No, I think I, I think I, uh, espoused them all.
4: Okay. All right.
2: There was one other thing, um, on the Qualcomm side before we move on the, uh, a guy from AMD came out on stage during the press conference on the first day, which got a lot of like rumbles and grumbles in the, in the crowd, like, you know oh we want to bring out our partner uh, somebody you know from AMD i think people were thinking somebody was buying somebody or licensing some graphics ip <laughs> or doing whatever you have but as it turns out what they announced was uh that the Ryzen mobile platforms were going to support the Snapdragon X16 LTE modem meaning that ryzen notebooks with their higher graphics performance all that stuff will have the ability to support the same kind of mobile connectivity now connected standby is a different thing the ability for the system to go to sleep and run in really low power states but still background sync data i doubt that ryzen has the capability to do that but it will still have the ability to have kind of the always on um uh, data stuff so a little bit less exciting of a news announcement than we thought when we first heard he was coming out. It was Kevin Lensing for, was the guy from AMD uh, who was kind of their their lead of their their client business unit over there. So uh, still need to see, right? So Qualcomm has a lot of balls up in the air. They've got Apple to deal with. They've got Broadcom to deal with. Plus, you know, they have to like sell product as well. So
5: it hey, seems, is, uh, it seems uh, uh, based still? on the reactions
2: I see here from other media, other analysts that uh, – but they seem to be on the right track.
4: This this latency's killing me, man. Killing me. I know. I can't interrupt I you nearly as effectively as I used to. <laughs> but I was going to ask is, is Eric Deemer still there? Is he still kind of in charge of the graphics? You know, I,
2: I don't I'm going to say yes because I haven't been told otherwise, but he's not here. I, I don't That's uh, not, is Bernie gone? He's not mm-hmm. in the room anymore, is he? Okay. I was going to ask somebody, but um, I will ask that tonight, actually, because I, I totally spaced on that, and that would have been somebody I would have I would have liked to seen and talked to and asked questions of as well. So, all right, uh, let's move on. I've got a handful more minutes here, so I will uh, I will navigate us through our first non Qualcomm story, the Elgato 4K capture, which is a story that Ken wrote damn it he's behind the camera instead of in front of it um <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this is a 4k 60 hdmi 2.0 capture card right we had ordered one we had ordered Who was the one we ordered from that was bad it did not actually capture it like the amazon listed listing said hdmi 2.0 but when we got the card it literally said on the on the input like printed on the card or under, on the back panel underneath it, HDMI 1.4. Yeah. So uh this one does not have that problem. This is from Elgato. You know, they're a, a well known name in kind of the capture world for for gamers and enthusiasts and a lot of other stuff. Um, they had is this it's a PCIe by four card to do 4K sixty, HDMI two, uh and it works. You know, I don't well, what else what else we need to say about this one, Ken? What's what's the what's the price on this? Uh 499 499 or 400 400 500 bucks. You know, so this is definitely something that you should need before you just purchase. 1080p 60 is is fine for most. Uh but it does have capture software in it, so it's able to do 4K 60 capture, looks like up to 140 megabits per second you can capture, which by the way, is 58.7 gigabytes per hour of footage and that's actually not too bad that's
1: compressed right that's is that h264 or 5 you think 58.7 gigabytes per minute no no no
2: that says hour there doesn't it oh pretty sure that says hour yeah Uh, that would be when we do our raw capture oh yeah the
1: raw capture yeah that was that was doing a gig per second
2: yeah uh it does have a a heat sink style on it is it actually a it, it a doesn't functional it no. doesn't actually no. make contact
1: oh yeah it's, it's the case yeah it's more just like a metal cover <laughs> so it heats up the
2: chip more I mean, than it should it's probably? matte black so i mean <laughs> it
1: should theoretically conduct the radiant heat out but like still it's black body radiation yeah yeah yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't help that you know it only has a very few (laughs) vent holes in it and the vent holes are not necessarily like conducive to if you had air moving from front to back like sure the plate just kind of like blocks it it doesn't really kind of let it through right yeah i mean Um, but we didn't have any cooling issues with this yeah we did not have any cooling issues it but it does warm up when you're when you're doing captures like it, it just seems i mean it's clearly that
2: it's clear that the the shroud is there for looks and style and obviously it looks way better than just having a, a bare pcb um it looks like there's some leads there for leds so you do get lights because of it so that's great um and it just worked right like we were able to capture 4k 60 out of it we were we you know, we, we had this in, in the office to test for like consoles and capturing out of the xbox one x and stuff uh, and it did that four hundred dollar price tag, and considering the kind of the 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 next step <clears throat> is the standalone, <clears throat> uh, sorry, Atomos Ninja Inferno, which is about a thousand dollar capture device, uh, field capture device. You know, four hundred bucks doesn't seem that bad, right?
5: We should point out too that it it doesn't capture HDR, which isn't surprising, uh, but it also doesn't pass through HDR. Uh, which is disappointing. Oh. So you, yeah, you you can capture your game, but if you wanted to, all, all of these Elgato cards have the output, so you can get the zero latency uh, monitor. And uh, if you're, if you wanted to game while also capturing for things like streaming, you're just you as the user are not going to enjoy be able to enjoy that that HDR experience.
2: Got it. Yeah, that's a good point. Out. I didn't even mention that it had the pass through on there as well, which we needed as well for our testing. So. Uh, what else did we have on our list? A Cooler Master power supply review posted by Lee on this one, 550 watt, um, very small unit. The Master Watt series, as the the name gives you. This is something that goes up to 1200 watts, but you can tell from the the size of this guy, it is not that. Uh, 550 watt semi. I don't. know what does is, what is semi fanless operation mean? Just that the fan stops spinning, I guess, at some point. Yeah, partially 40 C it'll a run for it 60 a fan. Bucks. Got it. Got it. Five year warranty, um single twelve volt output. You know, this this is what are there? There's two PCIe connections on it. Um so if you know if multi GPU is a potential for you, this is not this is not the power supply for it. Sixty dollars though, it does get you a pretty reliable system. Lower on the on the warranty rates than we would like to see, I believe. Um I guess I'm just kind of used to seeing seven and 10 on units, but maybe it's all on the higher, higher cost prices. Um,
0: are, are those caps big enough for Ken?
2: No. Uh, no. Didn't think they no were. No cap is big enough for Ken, I say. Yeah. 59 bucks on Newegg. You know, I mean, it, it met all the specifications, right? 550 watt continuous, fan list below 15% load, 80 plus bronze. Um, the fans were quiet. Uh, the weakness that he he pointed out here was that it has tepo caps that only have an 85C rating. So not only are they not big enough for, for Ken, they don't get hot enough for Ken either. Hmm.
1: I bet they'll still shock him
4: though. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably.
2: I think that seems like a likely outcome. Yeah,
4: tell him it tastes like bubble gum and lick it. Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, I think I'll make. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think I'll do this on the. This will be my last story here. Um, and then I'll let the other seven or eight people or whoever are on the podcast take over. It got really dark behind you, Ken. That's what happens when the sun goes down.
3: Yes, Ryan. When the sun goes you're taking down. You're into a dark place. It gets dark. I don't like
4: it. Um, Sundown. Well, wait a minute. You better take care. This
1: when isn't even my really
3: story. So I, don't know why. I
1: picked this for my last one. Was, okay. Uh, one at a time. Up downstairs.
3: Jeremy, tell me hey. about this thing. It's a rose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a what? It's a rose. Uh, they named this after the adrenaline rose. Oh. I for reasons what. yet to be known. Uh you are now gaining all of the information that we have. Uh the card is now self-assembling. Uh it does take itself apart and glow on the inside so you know it's running. Wait. Or at least I think that's what the upgrade is implying, anyways. Apart from that, there's not really much information that it came with it. This is their they've been doing these rebrands once a year for a while. Um we saw the the Crimson Edition. Right now we're doing the, the relive or relive edition so this will be t- this will take us into next year uh, it'll be the adrenaline family of drivers, and we'll see probably in the not too distant future um, it's scheduled just before the end of the year what uh this brings yeah you
2: know' I, the, it's, it's their annual cadence of of major driver releases. I think the one last year was maybe. A little bit disappointing in the kind of features that they added and offered to it. I mean, they did they, they did a good job. Or I'm thinking of the mid the mid year refresh. Um, yeah. I will say I have seen what they're introducing on this one, and it's actually really cool uh, what they're able to do. You know, don't expect there are people I saw in the comments on this video and, and on our post talking about oh, finally we're going to get this huge Vega performance increase. I hate. The, uh, let me just settle <laughs> everybody down here. That's that's not going to happen. There's not a twenty percent increase in, in, in GPU performance that's happening with this. This is much more about features and uh, capabilities and, and UI elements and making everything easier to use. And it, and it actually does a very, very good job of that um, without going into any more detail. But like the way you interact with the software uh, and the way you can take advantage of the capabilities that they have built into it is going to change uh, pretty dramatically. And I think it's, it's, it's really cool to see. So I'm looking forward to uh, testing it when I get back from here. Uh, and being able to give it a, a try before it launches. Did they announce when they when it was going to launch? It, uh, It'll whatever. be before it's the end of, of the year, or sometime 12th. this month. It's it's like the middle of December. Just that's what it is. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's the adrenaline, but without an E on the end, as Jeremy pointed out, it is the rose, hence the red, and uh, not you know the drug that courses through your body.
5: Still a much keep better keep me awake. Man. Much better name than much better name than relive, relive or whatever the relive, relive, relive. <laughs> See, exactly. I think it was right
2: relive. Yeah,
5: Crimson but hence the relive. problem. It's just a, It just didn't. Twelve months later, we still don't it.
2: know. That's not a good thing. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody, I'm going to disconnect here and um oh, go meet good. my wife good. and uh, go to dinner. Your so, voice. go to your Hey, bye guys. Don't talk. Don't talk mean about me. While I'm gone,
4: too late. We do
2: it when you're here. That's did awesome. you see the picture that we posted of you? <laughs> I did see the picture. Yes. If only. If only I yeah, would wear you, that bathing suit. You're looking very right? toned you know? these days. Very toned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish. Okay. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye, bye.
0: I didn't see the picture, but is the bathing suit clad? Uh, Alan, you just so lost the
1: Stripes, though. I lost my mic. Yeah, you got some serious data coming through your mic now. In other news, this week, uh, there is a rumor that Intel is intentionally holding back 10 nanometer, or what's really like the 10 nanometer equivalent, right? Because it's not actually 10 nanometer. No, anymore.
4: actually, they're they're closer to 10
1: nanometer than anybody else. Oh, I'm sure they are, but I, I doubt the actual feature size is 10. Like maybe a few yeah, things might yeah. have that feature size. Yeah, a size, couple of yeah. you know, a couple of really easy things to make on there. But uh. yeah,
4: of all the marketing speak that all the manufacturers have, Intel is typically the closest to kind of reality. <laughs> yeah, and so ten nanometer is that's a big jump. People don't realize how big of a jump it is. I mean, we went seemingly from twenty-two to fourteen, and in, in not necessarily a blink of an eye. But it was relatively quick, three to four years. And then uh, we've been on 14 nanometer for quite a while. And they thought, hey, 10 nanometer is not going to be an issue. We're going to get there. We're going to start producing stuff. All of our lives will be happy and things will be gay. And it hasn't turned out that way at at all. Um, Fudo wrote this original article. And he was claiming things like they were not seeing... Now, wafers were approximately 500 to $700 in price going through the process. And first of all, that's absolute <coughs> bullshit. I mean, with a cutting-edge technology... Yeah, it seems low. ...wafer costs are more in the range of seven dollars to $10,000 per wafer, and that's taking the slow boat. Uh, when you do start doing hot lots... You're anywhere from twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars, and hot lots is when they 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 put the wafers through as fast as possible. So, uh, what happens is once a wafer in a hot lot goes through an end of a particular process, then the stuff that's ahead of it is kind of benched, and then that goes through the next line. So you've got you know litho and etch and and deposition and scrub and all this other stuff going on. And uh, yeah, for just regular wafers going through, it takes approximately four months, and it costs in between seven and ten thousand dollars to do. And so, I'm not entirely sure where Fudo got his his information from because it's it's just not true. And again, I if I could only reiterate, uh, ten nanometers is, is hard, and Intel is hitting some real issues, and. They're trying to do quad patterning on these chips because EUV is not quite ready yet. They're not willing to go into production. Um, you know, there's a handful of 100 watt um, lamps out there. Uh, they need uh, seemingly, I think, 250 watt is is the sweet spot for really big prime time manufacturing. And there are again only a couple of examples of those around in the. Uh, in the market, in the industry. And so with quad patterning, I mean, they, they, it's, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. They do a litho with, um, you know, certain structures in there. Then they do the etch. Then they do another litho pass and another etch and then another litho. and, And they do that four times to get, all the structures in there that they need. And this takes time. This takes a lot of manpower. And it's just ludicrous. Um, it's hard to do. And even though Samsung says, hey, we've got our 10 nanometer stuff out, it is far closer to Intel's 14 nanometer than it is closer to <laughs> Intel's 10 nanometer. And so, sorry about that. I have a child who's sick and is coughing behind me. Oh anyway um where was i at okay anyway 10 nanometer um they're starting to experience some really interesting electrical phenomena and stuff that really is in kind of you know the the, the quantum landscape i mean it's not quite you know like hey we've got electron t- tunneling we've we've got uh, entanglement we've got You know, electrons suddenly just appearing in a gate where they shouldn't be. But it's stuff that's kind of close to that. And there's a lot of variability in the chips that are coming out of this process. And I think this is probably the primary reason why Intel has not released a 10-nanometer part. I mean, they could do it, but it would be extremely expensive. Their yields would be kind of crap. Their bins would be probably even worse. And... You'd only get, I mean, uh, how hard is it to find an 8700K? And that's a 14 nanometer plus plus product. And um, going to 10 nanometer at this time is just not something they can do. So Fudo, you know, he went around this and said, well, they're kind of holding it back even though they could possibly do it. And, well, yeah, they, they could possibly do it, but there's still a lot of work to do to make this a more viable process technology. And again, don't, uh, don't think about the other guys saying, well, we've got 10 nanometer up and running. Well, the complexity, the geometries of those other process technologies are not, not in the ballpark of where Intel is doing when it comes to 10 nanometers. So anybody else have anything to say other than me? Just,
1: we're just letting you finish.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm gonna let you finish.
4: I'm going to let you finish, but Intel has the best process of all time. Of all time! Mm
5: -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I'll go on Leno and apologize. Yep. Okay. I mean, plus, I mean, even if the cost and the difficulty weren't a factor, I think AMD gave Intel a bigger scare, a bigger push with Ryzen than Perhaps many were expecting. So if they if they could get a better performing part on a better process out there, I mean they would. They want to maintain a well, pretty and, good and gap. And they are. Yeah, and they because are because
4: fourteen yeah. nanometer plus plus is a very good process. Right. I'm saying um, they would. They would it want to It is a little bit looser in terms of of geometries, uh, And that cuts down kind of on the leakage, and uh, kind of, you know the, the, it has improved the transistor switching performance as well with. A little bit increasing of of, of die size, but it's still a really good process, and it's Mm -hmm. fast. And, you know, overclock a Mm Ryzen to 4.9 gigahertz, and I I dare you to do that because it's just—unless you got liquid nitrogen, it it just—you're not going to do it. But you can do it with that 8700K pretty easily. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're correct. So fake news. You put a scare to them.
5: Fake news, right? Fake news. Yeah. All right.
4: And wafer is not 500 to $700 to <laughs> process.
1: Yeah. I've been making hell of a margin on the CPUs off of that thing, if that's how much it oh, costs. Yeah, if you'd think. All right, next up, uh, EVGA launches a GTX 1070 Ti
5: FTW Ultra Silent
1: graphics card. So it looks like just a
5: bigger cooler. It's a two-and-a-half slot, so quite a bit thicker
1: yeah
0: wait wait, how can you have two and a half slots? just call it three well, well sure
1: yeah yeah notice the bracket is actually three. I don't understand why they call them two and a half I mean yeah. yes, God. I know technically it's two and a half, but you yeah. uh,
5: know
1: and and I guess if, if you have I, something
5: below it, well, yeah, I guess if you're going to s l i them yeah. you're
1: you're not so worried about like you have a half a slot of gap for there to be decent airflow into the you know into the core that's fine, but uh and it's even a taller cooler notice it's like. It's like the FTW three uh, style height on the PCB. Like, look at how much further that extends above the bracket. Yeah. Right. It's like inch and a half, two inches. So, like, be careful what case you're putting this in because it, it might actually interfere, uh, depending on the case. Yeah. Um, so the idea is super huge cooler on a card that normally draws only 180 watts. Uh, however, there's uh, two eight pin connectors. Uh, which means this card is supposed to be able to hit a two thirty five watt TDP. I'm guessing they might also have a. They might also have a one of those switches on it, like they do on some of the FTW series, where it's like a separate BIOS well, got, that has a higher. Yeah, it's higher got bias. dual BIOS. Okay, yeah. so then that's what they'll do. It's a, yeah, you you throw the switch, and then it just you know your your max TDP goes higher, and basically you can just slide that power limit slider, uh, you know. Like ten percent higher or whatnot in uh, in Precision X. Um,
5: five hundred dollars, five hundred bucks list huh? list price. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, probably wouldn't go for that, especially since uh, the regular, like you know, ten seventy Ti EVGA, not the. Uh, not the OEM style coolers, but like the decent cooler, like the dual fan mm-hmm. ACX style, not this way overkill two and a half slot one, right. but like the regular ones, they were supposed to be uh, like 450, I think. And they were like above 480. Yeah. Like just yeah. I looked a couple of days ago and they were already creeping up actually because the mining stuff started picking up again yeah. over the past two weeks. And it was just a matter of time before the GPUs took a turn. They almost hit MSRPs. Mm-hmm. Almost.
5: Our, our long National Nightmare was almost over? It was almost over.
1: And then mm-hmm. it, everything turned again, and, yeah. So good luck to you.
5: But, I mean, if, if you're looking for a ultra – because, again, you're right. With this style of card, you, you're not going ultra small. You're not going really small form factor. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted a you know mid-sized chassis, something like a fractal design with, like, good, good acoustic properties, and you wanted to game at a pretty decent frame rate, frame rate with minimal – noise something like this would be a, b- a better idea than a blower style 1080 that you could also get at that same price theoretically yeah all right cool So well, there's that well, good luck finding one yeah i think it's all yeah it's all moot at this point Thanks uh, to people like him
1: sorry uh jeremy i'll just It'll let be. you read the title to your own post here <laughs> well i mean whose is longer
3: we, we know that uh, the thread ripper is girthier, but the Ryzen might not be as long as the cabbie.
5: Well, but, I mean, it, it, motion is a factor. Not the be-all, end-all, but how you use well, it. Well, in this
3: depend. case, it's endurance. It, sure, sure. Yeah, you got to have the staying power. And uh, Although,
5: if you're doing everything, everything else sort wrong, of... endurance can go bad real. I mean, sometimes they just want it to be over. Nice. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> let's, let's not kid ourselves. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what she always tells me. Yeah, there's about.
3: usually some subtle hints. but uh, So the tech reports set up a very bizarre test. So what they did is hook up a 1440p display and turn off the internal display on an Acer Swift 3 with an Intel i5-8250U and the HPNV X360, which is a Ryzen uh, 5 2500U it's not a mobile test but it is you know local gaming test and so they ran the batteries ran straight off battery to see which of the two uh architectures offered better battery life and unfortunately for amd the uh contest was not even close wow yeah 2x yeah um, greater than 2x huge and it cost a huge the second one that they entry.
1: did it did yeah what was the controversy? Because the numbers are like right there.
5: That this is not a fair test. That that's well, a, a fair test. test,
1: but yeah. it's not a bad test.
5: No, it's not. I mean, I agree with their reasoning. And it's in a decent it methodology.
1: Way. You're yeah. plugging in an external display to try to eliminate the power draw from the internal. Exactly. Display. I know. I
5: I'm just saying. that exactly. People who are upset about this were were arguing that that's not that's not I mean, the way you should I, do it because that's I, not what a user is going to do.
1: I mean. I seriously doubt uh, Jeff's intention in this article was to imply that people are going to be using these laptops all the time no. plugged into a display and Again, get, you know, on battery. Right? I'm
5: not, I'm, I'm just, I'm just reporting no, I'm with what you. I read on the internet. Yeah, no, <laughs> no.
1: Well, you know,
5: this and is
3: what happens when you try to... The thing they tried was uh, killing off the, uh, the MX150 and uh, the Intel jumped up about 65% more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Huh, interesting.
1: Which makes you wonder why is that display drawing that much more on the one side? and and what's
3: the difference in the architecture that it's that much more efficient driving uh, a larger off-screen display?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. All right, interesting Hmm. data point. Um, next up. Uh, while Tim's not here to discuss it, now onto the spooky stuff. Oh, well, okay. So there's been this big deal with the Intel management engine uh, and related exploits, which, you know, might give you access to not just ring zero or ring minus one or minus two, but minus three, basically like the equivalent of you physically pressing power buttons and reset buttons and Mm -hmm. things on the system. Like you're basically better than bare metal, way better than root access. Like, yeah, you know, it's so low that you're the
3: guy who owns the system can't access it to know if he's been grabbed or not.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's literally you literally can't know. Yeah. And I mean, this stuff is is, terrifying. This stuff is meant to actually help like system administrators and like pushing out like you could, you know, if you had the right tools. And you had a bunch of these specific systems, and you had them all set up to use the management engine. Like you could do all sorts of things, like reimage systems, and just like system could be like blue screening, and you could like reboot it and lay down a new image and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, uh, from an integration standpoint, it makes lots of sense. It's it's wonderful from an integration standpoint. However, comma, um, you, you kind of need the security to be good. Yeah, you gotta lock that down because you can access the management engine via the LAN port. On the system, and it bypasses everything else on the system. It's just mm-hmm. a straight shot straight to the special firmware that you can't touch with anything that's on the in user land or even in OS land. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. So, uh, Dell's answer to this, I guess, until Microsoft. Well, yeah, we should can, say
5: Intel has said that they're not going to be patching this. Patches aren't going to be really widely available till next year. Yeah. So yeah, the First thing, and well,
1: it's vendors that are releasing them, not Intel. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's a huge, it's a huge cluster whatever. Because like not only does Intel have to patch their management engine, but their management engine is a portion of the BIOS. Mm-hmm. So, wait,
0: wait, it isn't a part of the firmware? It's below the BIOS, isn't
1: it? Well, you can well,
0: there, there's two parts th- th- the of it, it. I think okay. you can
1: well, there's a couple of ways to update it, but there I think there's some ways you can actually update it like from within Windows, but it's like there's some public private key thing that's yeah, gonna negotiate it's or whatever. Signed. Yeah, it's like it's tricky to do that, but it's probably easier to do as part of a BIOS update, I would guess. Mm. Just because you could have the negotiation happen in there. Like um Intel's RAID controller is mm. like a part of the BIOS. Right. Like its firmware is a part of the, the system firmware, right? Yeah,
0: so you just got a one-shot upgrade.
1: Yeah, so you can kind of like wait, you know, so if Intel updated their their RAID you know, their boot stuff for their RAID, uh, you know, uh, you wouldn't get that update until your motherboard maker pushed out a BIOS that included it, mm-hmm. right? Um, same kind of deal for this. You either need a really special tool or something, you know, just manufacturer-level tool uh, needs to come out. So, in other words, it's like a whole cell phone OS thing for Android, right? Like, Google pushes out the new... OS update now you got to wait for all the carriers to push it out. If there's a big security vulnerability, now you're just waiting that much longer, mm. and and then it gets all staggered. You know, you'll have ten percent of the devices will get updated right away, and then another twenty percent, another fifty percent. You know, just a really bad thing when you have worse than root potentially uh, vulnerabilities mm. on, on given sets mm. of hardware. So Dell's just like, hey, we were going to make a SKU available that just we disable it before we ship it.
5: Well, that's so people saw. cash you twenty bucks.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. So people (laughs) saw
5: that suddenly this option to ship without the um, Intel Management Engine was available in the configurator for Dell systems. Yeah. That's what triggered this. But then Dell came out and clarified and said, well, hey, we've been offering this for a long time, but only to select customers, uh, enterprise customers. And we're going to expand that. But that whole configurator on the web, that was an error. We're going to take that away. If you want this, just call us. Anyone can get it. But you got to call us, and uh, I don't know what kind of hoops they're going to put, put you through. But, and, again, I don't, I'm not even sure if that that, that fee is going to be – is applicable in the scenario they're It, it might not even be a fee. Yeah, it might, might ju- just be, right. hey,
1: please disable this. Yeah. So if you go disable. to Dell's
5: website now, you're probably not going to see this. I think they removed it. But if you want a Dell system with IME – Disabled, you have to call them, and, and they provided a number. It's not here, but I, I saw they, they have a number in, a, in an update they provided. I have,
1: I have so. a speculation on why there was an option and a fee uh, that was, you know, available to specific OEM customers. Mm-hmm. There's probably certain three-letter agencies that have to really harden their systems and don't yeah. want, mm-hmm. like, any kind of remote access sure. capability. Or
5: foreign customers. Or foreign, foreign, uh, customers, or,
1: or foreign yeah. customers, yeah. So, yeah. Um,
0: so, I mean, for, for people who... Care about this? I mean, for the, I mean, honestly, for how many people you know who have computers care? I mean, well, our peers mo- do. I, Most work of them in, don't. An, know. An
3: enterprise man, I've got sysadmins that can now build a house out of what came out of their arrears because right, of right. this. Yeah,
1: exactly. What I'm yeah. saying
0: is, consumers, you know, end users who go into Best Buy, who yeah. go into Micro Center, well, not Micro Center, Best Buy, <laughs> and just pick up something.
1: Sure. I mean, the, pro- What's the problem a is. Now, now yeah, I, will paper, exactly. I will say this. I will say this. They're, they're not going to know. It's not. No. Okay, so I'm pretty sure the management engine stuff is actually, like, it's not routable. It's not going to hop through NAT the other way and com, come in the internet through your router and just manage to make it to your system. Right. In other words, the management well, engine doesn't little, actively little Johnny sin.
5: couldn't get on Xbox Live and so he put the whole house in the DMZ.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> so so if you're if you're you know if your WAN on your house is exposed yeah. to the internet, now you're in trouble. Right. Oh well, you were in trouble uh, before this too. Or guess, if an attacker gets <laughs> in, onto your network via any other mm-hmm. exploit then anything else once he knows how to get into the management engine stuff yeah. everything connected on that network is just done yeah
5: no but my, my it's not my password's not password it's password 1 oh okay
1: yeah so you're safe totally fine yeah you'll be safe yeah um so so for people
0: who do care and i wasn't trying to make a big flame war here it was like who cares about this cuz people do care i think just Obviously. a lot of people
5: don't know yeah most so, people wouldn't it's the problem wouldn't know, right or wouldn't even think to understand what this is possible yeah
1: a lot know. of people up until the past you know say 3 months where this started being a newsy thing where, you know, mm-hmm. where there was a, you know, a string, seemingly a string of, you know, news related to this. I don't think people had any idea. It was just some annoying driver thing they had to add after they did their windows install and they had to download from Microsoft so that all their device manager things didn't have, you know, question marks next to them. Right. Right. They're just like, ah, oh, it's management engine, which it, it does have some other, you know, features like the OS can get some hardware level information, you know, uh, low level hardware information about mm. the system into Windows, but that's just like a side feature. Right. That's well, not that's not, you know, the the management, the true management part of it. Mm. Well what I was trying to get at for, for people who care and don't want
0: any of this. Yep. I mean so, so far options now we have Purism, they use Core Boot, System seventy six, I believe they're also using Core Boot. Um mm-hmm. Dell, which is using a modified blob. Yep. Um who else is there? I mean, does the Ryzen, non-pro Ryzen, have any sort of management engine on top of that?
1: Weren't there some... Uh, there was one motherboard maker that said that they were going to support it right away as soon as Intel put it out, or I don't know if it... like Wasn't it like ASRock or somebody? That... I,
0: th- I think ASRock's the ones who had the, the... Someone had a leaked screenshot of the BIOS where it said disable IME.
1: Yeah, like where you had the option. I don't know if they've pushed it out yet, but I like that was they were early to say that. They were one of the early ones. Mm-hmm. Um, But still, it's just this huge hodgepodge of stuff. Like, you know, you have a system that's three, four mm-hmm. years old. You're not going to get a BIOS update for that. right? It's just nope. not going to happen. You know, probably even from ASRock.
3: And when you're um, running a server, that's a big problem because you're not buying a new one every year or two.
0: Yeah, that's the right. other thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and you can't take it down.
3: No. Yeah. Not right. without a lot of special permission and arguing because you're trying to explain this to someone from the business side. And they're like, I don't care go away, don't interrupt me. No, no, you you, you do care, your client's care. No, I don't, go away. (laughs) It's going to be interesting.
1: Has anyone isolated like, okay, these are the ports or these are the protocols that are used or whatever so you can just kind of like maybe kill it at your router?
0: There's the the ME cleaner. What does that do? But that's a completely unsupported thing that I have no hands-on experience with. That's the core boot thing they use to take the blobs from Intel and rip everything out except for what's required to boot. Okay. It, it takes it from, like, yep. a... I think it removes, like, 80% of the functionality of it, but it still boots it. I mean, it's, it's literally just the CPU, the memory, and the uh, the drive controller initialization left over. So somehow it,
1: somehow it accesses it that chunk of firmware and just, like... It just rips it out. Like... Looters Okay.
0: Because the signing is done per module, isn't it? I would guess. Yeah, I've, I've hmm. been reading so much stuff on this lately. So, so how, I, I, I mean, how are they doing it without... They, they, reversed it, they reversed it. Oh, okay. So the signatures still work. The signatures are still valid for each module. <laughs> yeah. They just re- full outright remove modules. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. All right. So, But I, I would think that would invalidate any warranty you have.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it, it kills me that they had signature uh, controls on the modules, but like had this just really... He's crap, vulnerable as hell, you know, chunk of code running on, on the exposed side of it, like with, you know, the network connected to it. I mean, a- any code in the wild eventually will be exploitable. It's sure. Not if, when. Sure, sure. But it's I mean, not hard. Your
3: benefit is with closed stuff, you don't know it until <laughs> someone actually
1: brags yeah. about it. But the thing is, it's not hard to make the very front door super hardened. Well... You know what I mean? Like it's not hard to do, okay, make sure Buffalo Buffaloes can't mess this up. Make sure the initial contact is just as bulletproof as possible. Yeah. You know. But okay. I mean it's literally like the equivalent of, you know, username and password, you know, like Mac OS. Right. But they already
5: screwed
1: that up. I know. <laughs> that's where i that's why i brought that up you
5: saying the, the
1: issue couldn't the possibly issue is couldn't line. possibly just type in root and don't type in a password and hit enter a couple of times and have it work that would <laughs> not it be funny if that's what the uh i m e thing is just like root enter enter you're in what would you like to do with this p. c all right let's get away from this uh security <laughs> stuff here um but it's fun and exciting i know but we can go on all yeah. AMD working on GDDR6 memory controller for future graphics cards. Uh, do, well, I mean, it's kind of makes sense that that's coming. Like, didn't we hear that GDDR6 was like already like in draft form or something? Or as far as spec, yeah, but they, stuff goes. they're going to do their own
5: controller, though. I think that's the, the as opposed to what
1: licensing one from Intel. Like, where else do you get the memory controller on a GPU?
5: Well, they've been dedicated to HBM for. Five years or whatever it's right, been. right. So just saying, so, you know, and that they're going to shift. Although the article is clear, you know, this is not a platform wide shift. They're going to maintain HBM on the high end cards, but they're also going to bring out v- Vega sixty four and fifty six uh, gdr five variants at some point, and then future products. I mean, like the first Navi cards will be HBM, and then they'll they'll transition to uh, apparently to GDDR six for some of the product line. All right. Which, you know, controlling, you know, having their own controller and being in control. It's all about costs. Yeah. Well, it saves costs. GDDR,
4: whatever number is going to be cheaper than HPM because it's easier to implement. PCB is cheap as compared to interposers. Mm -hmm. You can redesign, you can re-spin a PCB and... Minutes
1: and the DDR six will long. will help with the bandwidth. You know, yeah. it'll bring it closer to what HBM can do. Mm-hmm. Right, so
5: HBM is still a very important part of their plans. Oh, I'm sure. And and we have not. I think a lot of people were disappointed with Vega, uh with you know uh, HBM two on Vega being in many in many areas underwhelming compared to what was promised, but. Uh, we haven't we haven't seen the full uh, the full roadmap yet for them or the full yeah. uh, we, we haven't seen them fully implement this. they're going to take there was a reason I think that they went, they stuck with HBM uh, and we're going to see the fruits of that or at least what they hope will be successful fruits of that.
1: All right. Okidoc. Uh, more AMD uh, news: Existing AM4 motherboards will support upcoming Raven Ridge desktop APUs with a BIOS update. That's like in stark contrast to, um, you know, Some Intel. Another unnamed uh, company? No, I'll name them because you know, like, <laughs> I mean, heck, we're going like potentially two new platforms for each of two new generations okay. of CPUs out of there's, Intel.
4: There's There's a reason why a lot of AM4 motherboards up until now have had HDMI and DisplayPort connections. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like they were thinking of the future. Yes. I bet you they they even had some extra pins they weren't using for like maybe some extra power and like some stuff like that, you know, we might need more power over here and... Might need some more data pins and, you know. But they had all that stuff, like, ready to go. Unlike Intel in this respect, mm-hmm. unfortunately. All right, so good news. Especially for the AMD folk who, you know, kind of like they they like to save a penny or two on their motherboard purchases. More so than the Intel people who just seemingly throw cash at every, uh, every generation. At least lately. Okay, so, then. Hey, I'm just, you know... It just kind of just kind of bugs me a little. They used to be better than that. They need to get back on track. Wait, 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 Alan, the
0: the guy who spent how many thousand dollars on mining hardware is complaining about people buying Intel.
1: It's uh, just, they're oh. all Intel platforms, but they're all like dirt cheap ones, like Pentiums.
5: <laughs> Alex, we've we've been over this. I know, I know. This, this, uh, what Alan has is a mental condition. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's just not appropriate anymore. <laughs> It's just sad. <laughs> so you're saying I'm not nice. Is what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying hey. you gotta be you gotta be aware of the sensi- the cultural sensitivities of 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 Bitcoin mining syndrome of, mine. I say, of I say, mining. I will say I will say
1: that any any yeah. folks that are Bitcoin mining are probably not worried about this whole the generation the last two generations of the uh, Intel hardware. They're like scoping eBay for like dirt well, but, cheap no, motherboards. They're, that they're, they're following
5: used. it because this every new generation presents a whole new. Uh, trough of secondhand products that'll hit the market
1: well that's true yeah i'll give you that the, the but they're still going to be wave pricey
5: wave. the trailing upgrade wave yeah yeah
1: it bugs me because like i'm i was holding out for like 370 You're like okay you know I'll, I'll build a rig for myself out of that and then i find out like the next generation is won't work on 370 even that's all right which just came out for the current
5: generation yeah. so it's like you know anyway you'll be broke it doesn't matter okay
1: uh, what is this? Bitscope unveils Raspberry Pi... Cl- Why do I feel like we talked about this? I think we talked about it in the uh, office. Uh, I talked about it on Twitch last week. That's what it was. Ah. Uh, Raspberry Pi cluster, 2,880 CPU cores. Uh, so, this is for R&D. Because yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're not going to be mining stuff with this. You're not going to be doing brute force anything. It's just, you know, get... Uh, over 2,000 of something mm-hmm. all connected to each other and somehow, like, you know, compile and run code and yeah. see if your code can scale to that many exactly. cores. It's
5: all about but, scaling. Yeah, it's, it's all about
1: scaling. It's not about speed so much. Now, there's still going to be some optimization, some other stuff that you can only really do once you're on the actual cluster mm-hmm. of, of CPUs. Uh, however, this can probably get you most of the way there. Um, you know, and and, the, it's, and it's cheap. It's relatively cheap,
5: relatively for for it, the number of cores. Yeah, it's an expensive box. Their prices yeah.
1: in here somewhere. It's,
5: uh, it's twenty five grand. Yeah, that's 20, 20, under twenty five.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the no, the s- small one with a thousand and eight nodes is under twenty five grand. But okay, you have to realize twenty five grand is a drop in the bucket compared to the actual.
5: Yeah. It- when, yeah. you're, when you're developing for this kind of scale, you've yeah. got a budget, an order of, ma- I mean, m- multiple orders of magnitude. Sorry.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and time is critical. You're literally yeah. buying time on that system, and it costs a lot. So, because uh, I, I, I think some of the comments or somebody was like, oh, you know, we'll run Crisis or like any of those other really. Uh, right,
5: well, they're saying like, this is not, I can't deploy this into a. Into a, an environment yeah. where I'm, I'm using it to run, like, actual high-core clo- high yeah. weather simulations close. or, like, like well, that's, you know, No, you're not, nah. you're, no, you're it's not, not trying for to that. run stuff. You're just trying to test against
1: This it. is what you make sure your weather simulation code runs properly yeah. on, not, I'm sure not runs th- fast.
5: and in, in true Raspberry Pi tradition, they'll find some really unique int- uh, uses for this beyond that. Oh, I'm sure. But... Th- its core purpose is is somebody will buy one of fantastic. these and
1: have it controlling all the light bulbs in their house. <laughs>
5: <laughs> sure. I'm sure somebody will. It's just slightly overkill. <laughs> a little bit overkill. You have them run all the bulbs. Raspberry Pi for each maybe. for each bulb. You know? Sure.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. XFX teases RX Vega 56 and 64 double edition graphics cards. Double standing for a double fan shroud. Co- shrouded cooler um
5: it's a unique design
1: it's a cool looking design um you know copper heat pipes in there and uh looks like plenty of cooling surface area i don't know if i have any more pictures here oh there's the
5: back nice looking back plate actually yeah. it's
1: just like a notch out of the whole card there for that uh
5: that x yeah it's got that x shape negative space thing going on yeah already.
1: yeah 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 well they uh, just slapped a corset on it for a while huh. So yeah, it makes it look skinnier if and you notice, sexier. If you notice, the rear fan uh, is actually going I straight through. I always notice the rear fan. It's going straight through the whole card. Because, you know, the PCB is so small. Yeah, because the PCB HVM. is so short. So, it's, so this is, I mean, mm-hmm. that would cool amazingly well. Because you have heat pipes going to the GPU from a cooler that can actually draw straight through mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the radiator. So that's pretty sweet.
5: But all of it hinges on pricing and we don't know pricing yet or, yeah. or availabl- availability. So I
1: mean it looks <laughs> it looks kind of budget like the shroud looks kind of kind of plasticy You mean, know, or? yeah. Like I it, would hope that that's a kind of a budget. That's a nice metal backplate, but like No telling. Obviously. Yeah. But but it should run pretty cool. Change Uh-oh. is good. Uh-oh. No. Oh, no, God. no Microsoft. No, no keep no. snoozing.
3: Down, boy, down.
1: Oh, man, tragedy averted. Now watch it just th- reboot th- anyway. Yeah, right. You think so? Mm. All right, uh, another uh, RX Vega 64 and 56. Uh, oh look, two and a half. Oh wait, maybe these are three slot coolers. Nope, two and a half. Um, triple fan coolers from ASUS ROG Strix RX Vega 64 and 56 is a beast of a car. Yeah, these are mu- in crazy contrast to the last thing we just looked at because uh, these are almost 12 inches long. Um, let me look at this. Is there another angle here? Good Lord, look at how tall the PCB is past the... That's like two inches above the top of the back plate. An enormous radiator on there. Triple fan cooler. That's definitely going to have enough cooling power for even those... GPUs, um, but like, look at the frequencies. Like that's,
5: well, it's it's still Vega. It's still Vega. I mean, that's the thing. It's I like don't, a, I don't want to use the phrase lipstick on a pig, because that's truly. I mean, Vega has I mean, some uses, but it's Vega is a product that has severe limits in its in its frequency in its compute. No cooler of any reasonable price is going to change that. I mean, you're not going to get this and be beating a 1080 Ti.
1: Yeah, and the problem is that, like, well, it's not really a problem. So there is one benefit. The beefier you go with the cooler on these, they're going to put out the same amount of heat. You can't necessarily overclock them any further. You might get a percent or something. I mean, you're just, you're splitting hairs at that point. However, the card will run quieter.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is a...
1: You know, you will get that. If you care about your system running quieter sure but don't get one of these because you think you're going to get an extra 10 or 20% overclock out of the thing hmm. because it's just well, not going to happen
3: it'll hit boost and stay there
1: oh, it's sure. probably not going to wobble downwards sure but i mean you i mean you can hit boost and stay there even on the stock versions of those cards if you crank the fan up to 100% and it sounds like a hair dryer but hmm. like it's possible right so these you'll be able to do that same thing but it won't sound like a hair dryer it'll be reasonably quiet.
5: Theoretically.
1: It should be. It should be. Based on the size of that core, and, I mean, Asus is pretty good. And yeah. They've got that cooler design down pretty good. That triple fan core, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the last, I think the 1080 Ti, that had a triple triple fan core from them, which I think took a long time to come out. It might not even be out
5: yet. I, think, I, I don't like think it was, it's out yet.
1: It's like it's been in YouTube videos, and yeah. people have reviewed it, and stuff like that, but it, if anything is just now out, but like, that card was a beast as well. It was, you could barely hear the thing. It was cool and just fine. It stayed at like 60C mm-hmm. or 70C or something like that at full load. And it was quiet, right? So well, Asus I mean, that, has that, got that, that, you know, the core design down.
5: That begs the question, though, like for a customer going, who wants to go Vega, are they going to care about keeping it quiet and under, you know, and performing along the lines of a standard boost Vega card, or are they going to want to squeeze every ounce of power? to try to limit that mm. gap between Nvidia's products. And you
1: can you can still do that. You can still raise the power limit even further on this. It's just right. that typically you just get diminishing returns big yeah. time yeah. with this particular chip. Mm. Right. if you're talking
3: 30 or 50 bucks, yeah, I could see it. If you're talking an extra 100, 150, it that's a tough choice. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah Vega does not have a lot price. of room. Vega 56 is a different story. No. Vega, Vega 64 does not yeah. have a lot of pricing room when cuz you very quickly get to the point where you should just buy NVIDIA, even if you don't. No. You know, but if you want to set it opposed.
3: right in between the water and the air, that's a bit on the pricey
1: side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh. So I don't... Do I have
5: a thing we can, like... All right, Alan's going to monologue now about...
1: No, 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 it's not going to be vague. Uh, Who was it that had the good article about it, though?
3: Tim uh, just posted one,
1: like, right... As we started. All right. Well, then there we go. I will go to this PC mm-hmm. per website. Thank you, Tim, for getting that up there. Um, so NiceHash, which we've had a couple of articles. His main reason I'm bringing this up is because Ken has published several articles in the past. The most recent one was about nice hash mining mm-hmm. uh, and like how to set up the client and how to set up a wallet and how to do all these things to make that process work. It was a pretty good article. Um, kind of walked you through the whole process there. And prior to that, years prior to that, did an article just on Bitcoin mining in general. And we talked about power rates because that was actually significant and into the, you know, cause it wasn't paying that great back then, you know, even though the, you know, cause the value of Bitcoin was much lower and et cetera. Right. Um, so fast forward to, uh, by this point. Uh, where NiceHash is a huge exchange, which was the largest exchange for hashing power. It's not just an uh, exchange for, you know, it's, it's a little bit complicated the way it works. Like as sellers and buyers both meet at this marketplace thing and people want to buy hashing power instead of just buying, say, Bitcoin. They want to buy hashing power to mine some Bitcoin. Maybe it's a little bit cheaper or something. Maybe they want to mine something else that's the same algorithm as Bitcoin like Bitcoin gold or something, which I think is also SHA-256. Anyway, um, so you had all these people with their orders in at this site. So there's an amount of money there. And then these guys would pay out based on how much you're mining or how fast your your, your profits are coming in or whatever from you uh, donating, not donating, but selling your hashing power to this exchange as well. So presumably there's a lot of money in flight, Right. And I don't remember what the last number was, but NiceHash would frequently tweet you know, how much their payouts were, and it would usually be some huge, like very, very big number.
5: Like, I mean, when we were doing it this summer, it was, you know, six to $9 million yeah. a week. A, a a week, payout, a week. yeah. yeah. They, they were doing these
1: weekly payouts, right? And
5: that was when Bitcoin was a, a sixth of its current value. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Um, so, and that was only what got paid out. Yeah. So you had other people that were getting payouts per day, And then you have all of the people that had purchased hashing power and that money was also in their system. So think of all that amount of just volume, right? turns out that volume at any given point in time, specifically yesterday morning uh, point in time, happened to be – does he have the whole number? 4,736 Bitcoin. That's 4,700 Bitcoin. Bitcoin right now, as we're talking – is $14,000 per one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, and this number has been going up. When, when that tells you what Bitcoin's done in the past 24 hours, this number was initially $58 million worth of Bitcoin that had been uh, walked off with somehow. We don't know if it's inside job, whatever. But, so let's, uh,
5: let's clarify that. So the, it's gone.
1: It's gone.
5: it's, yeah. it's just gone. His it, it, money is well, it's, gone. It's, it is well so gone. Okay. Well, so it's gone it, from whoever.
1: Here's had what a you rifle to, claim to Here's it. what you have to consider. There have been like the whole Silk Road thing. Like the Feds actually followed the blockchain and ended up tracking down who it actually went to. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the beauties of the blockchain. Blockchain. Everything is public. Mm-hmm. You can literally follow the money. There's no way to hide where it goes. Eventually. Like, no matter what you pass it through, you could still follow it. Mm-hmm. You might have to go to an exchange and pull their record or something. But, like, anywhere it goes, they're going to be followed. And $66 million worth of something is a lot of incentive for people to follow the money. Sure. Um, Are there any casinos that take Bitcoin yet? Uh, I don't know. But the thing is that where, wherever, this guess person, what? <laughs> wherever this person or people tries to move this out... To real money, pretty much every place that can exchange for real money or any assets that are expensive are going to want to know who the person is. Perhaps. It, and
0: all the coins went to a single wallet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. That's, yeah. They all initially smart. funneled into one, and now they've did, made a bunch of hops after that. And, oh, so, so
0: it has been disseminated mm, now?
1: Uh, it might still be in the same wallet, but like, regardless of what happens, you can follow it, is right. my point, Right.
0: I mean, you Um, you could wash it through like altcoin exchanges where it's actually taken outside of the blockchain and put into an external system and brought back in. But you could, but then that takes time and effort. But then if you you were,
1: but if there was, say, a mob of angry redditors from the Nicehash group on Reddit who are very good at following this stuff. Well, I didn't even think to look at any of this, but these guys were all posting about exactly where it was. And they found it like almost right away. I I Mm -hmm. have
5: no doubt that that more information will come out and maybe even a resolution. Uh, Maybe. I don't think you're ever going to see your Bitcoin.
1: Oh, no, no. I don't. I would be shocked if that happened. And Steam, uh, apparently
5: Steam today stopped accepting Bitcoin, so they won't be laundering it through um, Dota hats. That's true. That's (laughs) true. (laughs) Because that's a thing. That could totally be a, a thing.
3: Nice, uh, There's probably a nice casino in Morocco that uh, can accidentally lose some things.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 there's, a, there's a, a lot of fringe financial institutions that would want, to, assuming, seeing how Bitcoin has risen recently, would love to get, to get a, you know, to pay out to get that Bitcoin right now.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, I will say that uh, a lot of people were skeptical just based on, because Nice Hash kind of like clammed up it was like yeah. oh crap and just like everything just went down and then like an hour later he gets semi vague message about ah oh, maintenance is
5: like that, is that why spectrum was done last night
1: no that think? was before this okay <laughs> so i was trying to fix my internet and yeah. then it came back up and then like 10 minutes later Nicehash so nice a hash went down and i was like i'm still trying to fix my internet yeah. so like, i'm thinking my internet's like went down again mm-hmm. nope the entire everybody mining to NICE hash went down um so they finally put up a statement. It was like eight hours later when they actually said what the heck was going on. And it's basically, you know, we informed the authorities. There was a big uh, a compromise in our payment system, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't get why you would have what appears to be the full volume of their Bitcoin like online. In other words, on anything that can initiate a transfer to anything else. Right. Um, Maybe they had some offline, but it didn't seem so because that seemed like, you know, that number seemed about right for how many orders and stuff would be in the system. Um, So anyhow, they're saying they're, you know, going to they're not saying they're going to try to make it right and pay people back or any of that, because if you don't got the money, you just can't pay people back.
5: But um, you create a new cryptocurrency. Blackjack and hookers. Well, wow. uh, Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think they that's got the problem. Those. It's oh. a
3: little bit too small to actually start up a new uh, economy <laughs> Yeah, that's completely separated. Like,
5: ground floor it's Germany. a lot of
3: money, but it's not quite that much money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there was
3: something... Fender hold out for more.
1: Uh, yeah. So they say they're stopping all operations for the next 24 hours, which implies they're going to try to start it back up tomorrow. I don't know how many people are going to be around mm-hmm. to use it. Um but I will guarantee you that any miners that try to use that are going to be a lot more cautious about how much they leave in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the default for NiceHash if you don't use their internal wallet is that it just pays out daily, which is actually fine because if you lose like half a day, uh, yeah, well, okay, too bad, so sad. You just use something else or whatever. But, you know, if you were using their wallet and you weren't necessarily transferring it out every day because the fees kind of stack up, so it's more efficient to transfer it out less frequently. Mm-hmm. They got a little bit burned. Just a little. Yeah. Depending on how long they waited. So, uh, buyer beware, or whatever you want to call it.
3: Um, There was another interesting uh, stat that I just stumbled across today that, uh, because, you know, Bitcoin was sort of in the news, strangely enough. Uh, Did you know that it uses, uh, the, the total global mining community is using as much power as the country of Serbia? <laughs> it, it, it's freaking insane like they're talking about 87,563,223 kilowatt hours a day currently yeah it, it's insane
1: so i i, I but, will say there has been some interesting results or fallout uh from this in particular cuz when these guys went down all the hashing power went away or at least all of their hashing power went away and it was a pretty decent percentage for at least some of the currencies Right, there are some of the currencies that just purely rely on GPU mining which basically means they rely on mining pools mm-hmm. right um, some mining pools only have certain algorithms like it gets a you know, progressively more limited in scope NiceHash was one of the ones that supported most of everything especially if you use their legacy miner it had like 20 algorithms in it or something Um so that meant that the rates jumped up, the payment, the payout rates jumped up on the other mining pools. Yeah. You know, ones that are equivalent to NiceHash.
5: You were doing pretty good for yourself earlier today.
1: Uh, it's still three times
5: what it was. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like right now. You got to question a currency that the value of it goes
3: up because a bunch of it got stolen. So,
1: so in the heyday of the NiceHash mining. I mean, mining, yes, it's rarity, but. It's just weird. In the heyday of the nice hash mining, which was like June, uh, a 1080 Ti would pay out like $10 a day. Mm-hmm. Thereabouts, mm-hmm. right? That was like the highest it was going. That's when everybody went nuts and started buying GPUs. And like we even fired up like all the cards we had yeah, in the office. It got office r- for, real
5: hot in here this got summer. It got pretty
1: hot during the summer. Yeah, and then you know, the AC was running. And then Ryan got the first bill and then just shut everything off.
5: No, he, <laughs> yeah, he, <lasted laughs> a he kept months. it for a while. And then the, the electricity company showed up. Oh yeah, and they're well, like we had to convince them we were not.
1: They're like you're drawing too we, we much not, for your uh, service uh, uh, here.
5: Independent medication
1: providers. Yes, yeah, so we were not growing anything. You're free to walk around the building. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, that was ten dollars a day. You know, back in June, and that was the highest it was, and then it dropped to like three for several months in a row, and yeah. kind of crept up a little bit. It's twenty right now. Yeah. Uh, during. During the period where this, when NiceHash was down, and no, and like initially, like people hadn't realized, like they were just kind of waiting on NiceHash to come back. So you had, they weren't even bothering shifting over to mm-hmm. another pool, right? Which completely starved the pools. Yeah.
5: For, it, further constraining the supply. Of, yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was like between 50 and 70 per day rate uh, of payout. Not that it was going to stay that way right. because as more right. people pile in there, you know, it settles back down. But, it's still pretty high right now. It's, it kind of makes me think that a lot of people have just kind of like, screw this. Like, you know, they, they went... Some people went well, several weeks with, like, their single GPU mining. Yeah. So it's sitting there. The fans are cranked all the time. You know, it's kind of an annoyance. Mm-hmm. You're holding out for getting your, like, point... I don't remember what the minimum increment is now for a nice hash to actually do the weekly payout. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were a lot of people that were in that boat that it was like... And it was getting progressively worse because the increment stayed the same. The increment in the number of bitcoin stayed the same, but yeah. the value of the bitcoin has gone up four to six times right the um, the hashing power like dollar value stays roughly the same, mm-hmm. so that means that the if you were mining with like the same card over the course of the past three or four months, the rate of bitcoin you get in you got in cut in like one sixth of what it was, <laughs> yeah right so that meant that you were if you had been getting weekly payouts, you were potentially two weeks or every three weeks, right? Because uh, it just got it just got more and more stretched out, right? So they had these guys like, "Oh yeah, Christmas is coming up. I'm going to get that. Finally, going to get that payout. It's worth a lot more now. That's mm-hmm. well, a bigger chunk of cash. I'm just going to you know buy some Christmas presents with that or whatever." And
5: gone. Although, also, now I, it's gone. I wonder. I mean, obviously, you and and people really into this are watching every minute seeing what their their mining pools are doing but how many people really had it running in the background on a headless box or on a computer in the guest room oh sure and they don't even know anything it's been less than 24 hours they may not know anything happened yeah because I mean, the, the, There's plenty the thing of that, that caused this huge swell was a combination of professionals and governments getting into it, as well as a huge swath of people saying, "I don't need to figure anything out. I can download this app, click a button, and let it go." And there, that could be a significant chunk of people that just still don't know what's what's happened, yeah. or their systems are sitting there idle, waiting for the next uh, instruction. You know, and and yeah, it's true. I think, you know, the next couple of days we'll see really as it normalizes.
1: I'm just curious to see, because usually there's an awful lot of Ponzi scheme style things that come up in the Bitcoin thing. You don't say. I was actually telling you about a couple of them the uh-huh, other day, uh-huh. right? Guess what? One of them folded. Ah, really? Already? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So like, you know, somebody comes up, oh, we have a bot hey, that, you know, does that, trades. That was and-
5: like yesterday.
1: Yeah, it was, oh, it was, that was not that long yeah. ago. <laughs> so, you know, somebody will come up and they'll make a nice looking website and they're like, hey, send me your Bitcoin. I'll put it in this thing. It pays out this much per week or whatever, 20% gain per week or whatever. And, you know, it's, it entices you, right? And then they charge you some fee if you want to pull it out early. So, like 7% loss if you want to pull it out early. Or they make up, you know, these numbers to make it just enough for people to, like, put some stuff in there. And then they let it go for a month or two. Then now word of mouth starts happening and. Et cetera, et cetera. And then right before it's supposed to pay out, it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Right?
5: I was Does like, Bernie un- Madoff have internet access in prison? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so like that kind of stuff happens, right? But nice hash, you wouldn't have expected them to do it. And the reason I bring that up is because they get a percentage of everything that passes through them. Mm-hmm. And they have a crap load of volume. Yeah. So even spell like Ta- even if somebody say there was a bad actor in there uh that like say the whole upper chain of nice actually was in on this they're like oh yeah that's just it we're gonna time to cash out mm-hmm. it's actually counterintuitive because if you'd go for two or three more months they would have just made that in profit
5: unless they right? have insider knowledge of that bitcoin's uh, about to crash or uh, something yeah, maybe or, the u.s and know, china agree to a regulation scheme or something and they maybe Maybe I don't know. There's an awful lot of. I mean, net neutrality is about to fall, and 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 who knows how that would you know can. can well,
1: it, just I, for you guys, as it is right now, there's probably at least another couple of weeks that is just gonna bubble Bitcoin. Bitcoin. If I give Jeremy
5: the finger through the camera, do we have to put an explicit tag on the podcast? Probably, probably. Okay.
1: Uh, but over the next couple weeks, you guys weeks, are killing me. Like
5: <laughs> my head is exploding. Sorry. sorry.
1: Within the next couple of weeks there 's supposed to be like Bitcoin futures on the actual yeah. exchanges, actual stock, on the market. actual markets, yeah um, so just that 's even more and more hype, and yeah. i 'm sure bitcoin's probably going to even go up a little bit more i wouldn 't be surprised because it 's just so much hype yeah. and, and then and then once the exchange is open, so many people just throwing more money at right. it so
5: well, it 's a risky thing well let's, let's just let 's not kill Josh. I will close by saying nice hash missed a huge opportunity to not put a frowny face. On their logo, yeah, they, For this note,
1: they totally, like, there were Blew people. It. Somebody on on Twitter, I think, replied and they made it a smiley, and it was like there was blood coming out of the eyes <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> um, they should have just, they should have just stole that logo and stuck yeah. it there. But
5: yeah, all right. Well, you'll survive. Well, no yeah, I mean, you know.
1: minds Elmore knows Probably again.
3: where it all went if he does.
1: Yeah, I mean, who, who Canadian can joke. Ah. but if you were uh, one of the angry mob on Reddit you know just chill out rubble, it's, rubble, it's rubble, gone rubble. it's gone you ain't gonna get it back just pick up you know there's other mining pools out there there's already like Reddit threads pointing people to like here's the other you know mining pools and the ones that pay out like every two hours and crap like that so mm-hmm. can't get burned by more than a couple hours worth of stuff if you're really worried about it so anyway All right. Um,
5: Well, we uh, ignore the rundown. I don't think we prepared picks
4: this week. Yeah. Wow, Jim's mic just
5: died. Oh, sorry. He's he's just standing on uh, that. I put my foot on that little cough, what do they call it? The cough cough. drop. I was was going to say, thank you, Josh. I was going to say, ignore the rundown. There are no picks this week uh, because of the unusual staffing. Well, oh sure. Okay, so there's at least one real thick long dried out one and then a stringy one and then that's
4: yeah i can ebay them if you want all
5: right that's okay
4: so you too can share in my picks of the week
5: we feel it pcpro.com slash podcast yeah
1: is where you can go to see the show notes uh join us
5: wednesdays at 10 eastern yes at pcpro.com slash live and if you want to pcpro.com slash subscribe To join our mailing list, which we only use to let you know when we go live. Uh, Although maybe one day Alan will have to steal it to sell to regain all the money he lost.
1: Somebody will hack. Somebody will hack the... uh, No, it's
5: just a plain text email. Don't worry about it. We don't give it away. It's just to let you know when we're about to go live for this kind of stuff as well as our special events throughout the week.
3: And there's definitely not a hidden mining program in it that runs every time you launch the email.
5: No, No, that's on the website. Yeah, that's on the website. yeah. Yeah. and in this video player right that was actually a thing
1: going out around
5: that was yes
1: oh it's still going around
5: yep all
3: right uh anywho
1: yeah with that uh i'm alan momentano
3: i'm jeremy hallstrom i'm josh wallace
5: and i am so sorry ryan will be back next week